0: I'm Jody Nisnik, and you're listening to so much more. In John sixteen twelve, Jesus stated, "There is so much more I want to tell you." He then pointed to the Spirit as the one who would come, who would further His teaching by bringing. His word to life for us. So much more creates space for God to reveal his truth through his word. Today, I'm excited to have Dr. Joy Baker with me as we have a conversation around Exodus 4 and what the Lord is teaching her. Dr. Baker has taught and discipled women in the church for more than 30 years, and her heart's passion is to encourage women in their walk with the Lord and share the love and hope that God alone can give. Dr. Baker currently serves as an adjunct professor at Dallas Theological Seminary, where she trains and equips women for ministry. And she was one of my beloved professors back when I was at DTS, which feels like a long time ago, but it wasn't that long ago. So welcome, Dr. Baker. So glad to have you on the podcast today. I am
1: so glad to be with
0: you, Jody. Thank you for inviting me. Well, I'd love to just have you tell us a little bit more about who you are and your journey to being a seminary professor. Well, as you mentioned, I am
1: an adjunct professor at DTS, which means I teach selected classes on the master's and doctoral level, primarily focused on ministry with women and then effective small groups On the master's level. And then on the doctoral level, I teach a course on caring for women in pain and one on women in Christian leadership. And I came to DTS back in 96. And at that point, I had been a widow for seven years, having lost my husband in a car accident after 18 years of marriage. And our boys at the time were 14 and 11. And our daughter was out of school by then. So Don and I had dreamed of going into full-time ministry and after his death and Me continuing to trust the Lord, he led me to go to the seminary. Had no idea the Lord's plan was for me to end up on the faculty at the seminary, and I've just really loved my years at
0: DTS. Well, you, I know, have just poured into so many lives, mine included, and it really is a gift to see you using your gifts and just helping encourage others and their callings and equipping them for ministry. So, I'm glad that you're doing that. So thanks for sharing all of that with us. Well, Hey, before we dive into the passage, I want to just give us a quick reminder. So I'm going to read it to us and then we'll talk about where the Lord led you. And so this is Exodus chapter four. Now we are in the third week of our series on Moses. And just before this particular passage, Moses has been clearly called by God through a burning bush and he is told exactly what he is supposed to do. Now, Moses is pretty reluctant to this, and he starts asking God some questions about his ability. Now, we're going to pick this passage up partway through that dialogue between him and God. Uh, just prior to these verses, God had given Moses three different signs that he could do to show the Israelites If they question that Moses had actually been sent by God to do this work for them. So he's still hesitant. That's where we pick up the passage. So this is Exodus 4, verses 10 through 17. Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, Pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses and he said, What about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you, and he will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take the staff in your hand so you can perform the signs with it. So, we did this passage as electio divina, just meditating on it, asking the Lord to help us notice a word or a phrase or something in the passage. So, let's start there. Tell me a little bit about where you and the Lord started in this passage.
1: Well, it's a fascinating story, I think. And what really stood out for me personally, although this passage has ministered to me many different ways through the years, is the part where where God says, is it not I, the Lord? Now Mm. go. Mm. I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. You know, as I read that, first of all, of course, it really emphasizes God's sovereignty and how he is, he has made us exactly according to his plan. But then the part that says, now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say, probably spoke to me more than anything right now. And it's, I think, a promise that God has reminded me of that whatever he calls me to, he's going to give me the ability to do. It it automatically takes me back to 1 Thessalonians 5.24, where Paul says, faithful is he who calls you who also will do it. Mm. And I've claimed that verse since I was a younger Christian in my early 30s. An older lady, really, at that time in my church, I went to her and I felt like God was asking me to do things I didn't feel prepared for. And she said, "Well, that's First Thessalonians 5:24." And so I think here, where God is promising Moses that whatever he calls you to do, what he, to do, he's going to do it for you, and that's what I've I've claimed because. God called me to Dallas seminary as a student and then began to lead me toward doctoral work and being a professor. And I always felt like I was outside of, you know, certainly my comfort zone and even what I felt capable of. And so these verses reminded me again, even now in these years of my life, you know, that, that he will help me speak and he will teach me what to say. And so whenever I'm teaching, whenever I'm speaking, I'm always asking him to guide me in what he would have me to say. So it's a great encouragement to me that he will faithfully honor that dependence on
0: him. Yeah, I really love what you said that he was calling you to do things you weren't prepared to do. And I think that's exactly how Moses feels Mm -hmm. in this moment. He has been clearly invited by God on a journey well, that one, he's reluctant to go on because I think there's a lot of just baggage and history, but also because he doesn't feel like he's the right guy for the job. Mm-hmm. And that comes out in this conversation. And I think I resonate with that. And and hearing you put that into words is helpful that God often if not always <laughs> invites us to do things that we don't really feel prepared to do. And if we actually do feel adequate mm-hmm. and prepared, there's probably something we need to check in our spirit and soul about just even our reliance on God and our willingness to be stretched and to be obedient to the bigger things of God and and his plan for the world. So I really love that you said that.
1: I like that you use the word adequate because that takes me back to Paul Corinthians, where he says that he's not adequate. I mean, Paul, the apostle Paul. That's right. And yet he says, my adequacy is in Christ. And I think that's the important thing to know that God doesn't want us to do it. He wants to do it through us whatever he's called us to.
0: And I loved your heart posture even now of always inviting him to speak the words through you, help you to be open to where it is that he wants to lead and and what he wants to do. Well, Joy, as you, you know, kind of continued in this process with the Lord, tell me a little bit more about where did you go next with the Lord?
1: Well, I think it was a recommitment once again, to be independent on him and believing that he'd still be faithful. And also, as I thought about, you know, the classes I teach at the seminary, I've taught them many times. And yet knowing that every time it's a new group of students, so it's a new group of needs. And so, again, I can't just go in there because I know the material well and not yield to him. Because when I teach, I tend to be an interactive teacher. So we do a lot of discussion. So I never know for sure, where that's going to go, what the students are going to say. And so I am very wanting to be very sensitive to the spirits leading. And again, this is what this tells me, you know, I will help you speak and I will teach you what to say. And so I can even do what we sometimes use the expression, flare prayers (laughs) right in the middle of a conversation or teaching Um, When all of a sudden somebody brings something up or asks a question and just silently help me, Lord. And I've been amazed at the um, guidance the spirit has given me to say things I hadn't even
0: thought of. Mm -hmm. Exactly what that woman needed to hear. Yeah. Well, and it reminds me of the passage, and I can't remember exactly where it is. And maybe you will, where they're in the New Testament, where Jesus basically says, you don't need to worry about what you're going to say. You'll mm. you will receive from the Holy spirit, the words that you need at the time. Now that doesn't negate that we need to be prepared. We need p- perhaps training like a seminary education, depending on the vocation that, or the place that you're speaking, or even just consistently being in God's word so that you actually know his word. Um, but there is this, this beautiful sense of if we are called to say something that feels a little out of our comfort zone, or in that moment, the Spirit will guide, and He will give us the words that we need in that moment. Um, and yeah, I'll I'll look that verse up, and I'll put it in our show notes because I I couldn't remember it off the top of my head. <laughs> I can't remember where it is somewhere in the Gospel. I know, <laughs> <obvious>. <laughs> but yes. I claim
1: that promise a
0: lot. Yeah, that Jesus
1: promises to give us the words to say,
0: and He's mm-hmm. done it. He's been faithful to me. Yeah over and over and over again. Like you said, there's a, like, I'll be having a conversation with a woman, especially when I was working in pastoral ministry and just counseling and um, sitting with women who were just really hurting. And the Lord would meet me in that place and remind me of a verse or give me a comforting word to say to them. That wasn't something I had been thinking about. And I really knew it was from the spirit And they would even, oh, yes, I needed to hear that, you know, and so that there is just this beautiful, um, it's just such a, it's such a comfort to me to know he will provide when he asks us to do something that feels out of our comfort zone, he will, he will go before us and he will provide for us. And I think, you
1: know, that even though that wasn't where I landed with these verses, but to see Moses um, really. Disagreeing with God in a way, and we can, we can have those kind of conversations with him, but he was kind of adamant. He said, send somebody else. And, and, you know, then it says that God's angry with him because it's really yeah. questioning God's plan and purposes for his life and, and almost thinking that he's not, God's not able to enable us to do. So I don't know that I've ever said no to God. I've had have been hesitant. I have acknowledged my inadequacy. But um believing that he is able, so is exercising faith to go ahead and say, Okay, because if you'll be there and you'll equip me and prepare me, then I'm
0: willing to do it. Yeah, and this is such an interesting passage, too, because I think Moses rocks walks right up to the edge of disobedience here because he's you know questioning God, questioning God, and he says oh, I'm not good at this. And then he says, would you just send someone else? Mm -hmm. He doesn't specifically say no, but he makes, he makes this last request of God, please, please send somebody else. Don't make me do it. Um, and so I think, you know, he walks up to the edge and it really is interesting to me that the Lord gets angry with him Mm -hmm. and, you know, and I've questioned that and I've looked into, okay, what does that mean? Um, you know, he gets angry with him, but then he actually helps him, which is just such an interesting. All of this is so interesting to me. What was in the anger? Was Moses really disobedient? Mm -hmm. Was, you know, is it sin? Was there some sort of sin in this place? I would think maybe, yes, his heart probably was bent on it because why else would the Lord be angry? Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. What do you think about all that?
1: I don't know. I mean, I know that God, you know, He does He not want us to push back on His plan necessarily. He understands yeah. why we might be reluctant, but I think it and you know, they've had they have a very special relationship here, so I don't try to equate my life That's with true. Moses when God and he are talking, you know, face to face with one another. So um but you know, there's evidence that, that God is saying, Okay, then, you know, but I don't think it's ever I mean, obviously God knows everything. So he knew that ultimately this was what it was going to develop into and that Aaron was coming along and was going to step in there and such. But we know from the rest of the life of Moses how God used him in amazing ways. Mm-hmm. So imagine somewhere along the line, Moses developed and I'm sure he developed all of that confidence as he saw those plagues and saw everything God was doing and the Red Sea. And then it happened. And so he's on his own spiritual journey too, even
0: as a leader. Yes, that's a really beautiful word. He is. And he's and we see him being developed mm-hmm. into the person that he continues to become. Um, where he does stand in front of the people. And he actually becomes, you know, he judges their disagreements and he leads them and he helps them navigate this very hard journey, but he doesn't start out that way. He starts out where God has retrieved him from 40 years of hiding out. Mm -hmm. And he's, he's run away and he's just basically like, I'm just going to live my life. Mm -hmm. And it's not going to be near my people and and he cuts himself off. And so it is a really interesting how long it took him to re-enter, to be reminded of the calling that was given to him so early in his life, um, which I do think he knew something about because there's this interesting passage in Acts chapter seven, um, where Stephen is giving a overview of kind of the people of Israel. And he says in in that passage that Moses thought the people would realize he was coming to help them, but, but they didn't, um, that was back before he left for the desert for 40 years. And so it is really interesting that it seems like he knew he was supposed to do something to help the people. He was just, he jumped the gun and tried to do it on his own. And now God's inviting him back into that. Mm -hmm. It makes sense that it took a little, a little bit of, um, it was a slow start. (laughs) Let's say that. Mm -hmm. Mm Well, was there anything else about this passage that either encouraged you or challenged you?
1: Well, the the only thing about it, and it um, really is I did think back to another time in my life when this verse, these verses, were so significant. It was when I was writing my dissertation for my doctorate, and we were studying the life of Moses and and Bible study at church, and. At that point, I was so overwhelmed and I just did not know how in the world I was going to do that and be able to to write up all of this and complete this dissertation. And I remember identifying with Moses at that time and saying, oh, Lord, I don't know. I don't think I can do this. And and of course, reading this and being reminded that God is saying, I'm going to help you write this, too, and trusting him and, and just little by little and seeing him faithfully meet me at that point because I was on the front end of, of of even considering being on faculty at the seminary and that was overwhelming enough and all of that so I definitely felt like Moses felt then um the only difference was I didn't press against God to the point of I'm not going to do it. Um but um he was very patient with me. But I don't know that that just took mm-hmm. me back to that time and was so grateful that that was the time I was studying about Moses because God knew I was going to be in a Moses kind of
0: situation at the time. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's very encouraging. I think I felt that way every pr- paper I had to write in seminary <laughs> and it was not even anything near a dissertation. So I was always like, I don't know if I can do this. Um, and he does, he shows up when, when we, but our part is the participation and sitting down and doing the hard work. I mean, it does take our effort. Um, yes. and so, yes, well, um, I I'm curious, you know, as somebody who's been on a few journeys that they were reluctant to go on, (laughs) what kind of words of advice would you have for somebody? Because I feel like that's Moses. I feel like he's just a reluctant traveler on this journey with God and toward the calling he's receiving. And so what kind of advice would you have for somebody there?
1: Well, you know, I think really any of us as we begin or continue in our Christian life need to determine who's going to be in control of my life. And I think to really accomplish all God has for us takes a an attitude of surrender. Um, I recently taught a couple retreats in this chapel message last summer at d t s on surrender and that passage out of mark eight thirty four where Jesus says to the disciples, "Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me and so and then what Jesus was talking about, he was already talking to people that were believers, um, the crowds were there, but he was making a distinction of, um, if you really want to be a committed disciple of mine, then these are the things that need to happen. And part of it is surrendering to his will and be willing to take up whatever cross to accept, not like, not want um, some of the more difficult, painful things he might call us to and to follow wherever Jesus mm-hmm. leads us. And that really is the Christian life. And so that whole concept of surrender, which is really, in other words, the sense of Lord what, who's Lord of my life. Cause we can be a Christian without Jesus being Lord of our life. Cause it all it takes to be a Christian is to accept Jesus as our savior.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: But there is another aspect to it. Okay. We're going to now be willing to yield to God's will and plan then that means that we choose to make Jesus Lord of our lives. And um, I think that's, a, that's one of the most significant components of really walking with, with Christ in a very faithful way that allows him to use us. Um, and many Christians don't, um, never, never resolve that and want to hold on to their way instead of God's way. And I always yeah. think of Jesus when he came twice, he said, I came to do the will of my father. And he, and God wants each one of us to say that I'm just here to do your will, whatever it is.
0: What are some of the gifts that have come out of you taking those journeys with God? A great deal of peace.
1: (laughs) Mm, That's good. I mean, just the sense of, um, because a part of that is embracing the sovereignty of God and that he is in control of everything. And so that that's also diminished a lot of anger in my life, because anger technically is just not getting your way. It's a response of something hasn't gone your way, one way or another. Mm-hmm. But if we yield to God and say, I don't, I no longer want my way, I want your way, then when things happen that are not as we would like them to be, then if we're angry, we mean, well, I want my way, not your way. But if we just want his way, then that takes me, into places of grief and disappointment. Because we definitely have emotions. Um, and that's where I love Jesus in the garden. I think he gives us such permission to share just, you know, the pain that we're feeling and and, and even to say, I wish, I wish we could do this differently. Yeah. You know, I said, please take this cup from me. But he says, not my will but thine be done. And it's interesting, as soon as he says that, the scriptures say that the angels come to strengthen him and provide for him. And I think it's surrender to God's will that frees the Holy Spirit to be able to minister to us in those times of difficulty, those times of pain and heartache that we're going through. And um, I just feel such a sense of God's presence when I'm out of the way and he just has freedom to minister to me no matter what because he's allowed some very painful things in my life and um and yet there's been this peace that's not from my circumstances at all but from the presence of God mm. deep in my soul and joy too that that can come not a joyfulness that is a happy situation but this joy that comes from this deep contentment of being in God's will and having him right there with us, with me.
0: I love that you noticed that in the garden, as soon as he surrendered, that's when the angels came and strengthened him. I mean, that's such, that just spoke to me so deeply as you were saying it, how, when we are resisting God, he actually can't, we're closing ourselves off to him and he's, Mm -hmm. you know, the things that we know about our God, people say he's not a bully right he he invites us to do something if we resist 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 i mean eventually he's going to accomplish his plans and purposes in an, a way without us and that's de- that should be devastating for us cuz we have now missed out on his good plan and purposes and when we are open to him the fact that he comes and he bolsters us and the spirit speaks words of encouragement into our soul and strengthens us and You know, empowers us to live and do whatever it is he's inviting us to do. Mm -hmm. That's a good, good word. Thank you for sharing that. So, you had quite a career transition later in life and you basically started over. And I resonate a lot with that. I'm in the midst of that still. So, that's the other thing I would love just, and maybe this is just a totally selfish question. What are some words of encouragement? for those of us who find that life has been disrupted and God is leading us in a totally different direction than we expected or imagined. So from your experience going through that, what are some words of encouragement there too?
1: Well, one of the things I think that you're referring to are times of transition or change in our lives. And I think this is one of the the key times in our lives when our relationship with the Lord is so important because he he is really the only constant in our life. And this is why our deepest needs for love, for value, for worth, for security need to come in him because then if it's sourced in him, it can never change as we go into some things that we plan on and choose to do other things that come in very unexpectedly. And our lives are radically changed. Say, for instance, when my husband died, Um, to know that even though it was such a devastating, painful time, dawn was not life to me. That's good. God was life to me. Yeah. So that when I got the word of his death, as traumatic as that was, I turned right to God. (sighs) Um, And he was there because he's never going to leave me. In fact, a couple of years before Don died, when I was studying in Psalms, I came to Psalm 73, 24 and 25, where it says, whom have I in heaven but thee? And apart from thee, I desire nothing else. My heart and my flesh may fail, but you are my strength and my portion forever. And I remember when I read that, this is as if God was saying, Joy, bottom line, build your life on me. Mm-hmm. I'm the only one you can really count on. I didn't have any kind of premonitions. Um, at all but I do think I had a choice I could hear the Lord say that and there was my my later 30s looking at my life and say you know things happen I look around things happen people all the time Um, I think you have a choice of moving into fear or to faith you know you either oh my gosh what's going to happen and then you just want to hold tighter to everything that's near and dear to you or what I chose was, Lord, I don't know what's ahead. I just want to have a relationship with you that will sustain me and carry me through whatever you have ahead in my life. And um, and thankfully, he has and continues to. And I think that in times of change, when everything's uncertain and unfamiliar and uncomfortable at times, um, he is that place of contentment and peace and that's never going to change. And so I feel like that is so important. Because, And look at the world we live in now. Yeah. Things are changing all the time. They have changed radically in ways that we never would have imagined. And I know the people that are most um, disrupted by this are ones that are counting on the things of the world. Right. To be their security. But those of us that have our security in the Lord, that's not changing.
0: Mm. That she's helping us cope with. That's right. all it is. So good. Mm. Very well said and very encouraging to me. So thank mm. you for saying all oh, of that. <laughs> well, Dr. Baker, it has been a delight to have you on the podcast. Thank you for making space for us and just sharing about your life and where the Lord led you in this passage. I love talking with you, Jody, anytime, and
1: I'm thrilled and been thrilled to watch the journey that God has had you on and what you're doing now. And I pray that that many people will be encouraged by all of your podcasts.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, thank you. That means a lot to me. Well, friends, I would love to ask you a favor. If you are enjoying this podcast, would you just subscribe to it? And would you just do a quick rating on it? it's hard to tell you how much that actually matters when people are looking for things. So thank you in advance for doing that. And also thank you for joining joy and I today on so much more because we really do believe God has so much more to say to us and we are creating space to listen.